Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and let's go to 2 Corinthians tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As we continue along in our series here in the middle of the week, learning to be grateful. Learning to be full of gratefulness. And we come this evening to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Look with me at verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And verse number seven, self-sufficiency is an American trademark. I suppose it's because we come from the pioneer spirit of our early heroes, people like Daniel Boone and Lewis and Clark and Davy Crockett and Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. But the essence of Sin is a spirit of self-sufficiency. We can do it on our own. We can be gods on our own. We can decide on our own what is right and what is wrong. The essence of sin is self-sufficiency, but the essence of Christianity is God-sufficiency. And in order to diminish our self-sufficiency and to develop God's sufficiency, oftentimes God brings suffering into our lives. So learning to be grateful in suffering. That's what we're going to talk about. Look at verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your word in our lives and teach us what it means to be grateful even in our suffering. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Paul was no stranger to suffering. You, more than likely, are no stranger to suffering. However, Paul's approach to suffering was very different from ours. 
Paul's approach to suffering in this passage is that he gloried in suffering. He was glad in suffering. Notice verse number 5. We didn't read it in our scripture reading, but we should highlight it. Verse 5. Of such in one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Paul says, if I'm going to find myself glorying, bragging about, boasting in something, I'm going to boast in my suffering. He says in verse number 9, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities. Paul says, I'm glad in mine infirmity. I'm glad in my suffering. And Paul's suffering is similar to you and to me. We all suffer in this life. However, Paul's attitude towards suffering is much different than my own and much different from many people in that Paul was glorying in it. He was glad in it. Why? Why could Paul say that he was glad in suffering, grateful in suffering? Well, notice there's three ideas he gives us. We'll see them just quickly tonight. Look at verse 7. Paul is grateful in suffering. Why? First, write this thought down. Because in suffering, God stands with us. In suffering, God stands with us. Now here's what Paul is saying. Paul says in verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. So if you'll go back and read chapter 12 for homework tonight, the early part of this, of this chapter, Paul helps us understand that he had seen things that no other man had seen. That God had given to Paul a particular experience that no one else had. And on the heels of this revelation, this experience that God had given to him, God also does something else. God gives to Paul what he calls, in verse 7, a thorn in the flesh. Notice, through the abundance of revelation. So, I've been given something that no one else has been given. And at the same time, through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So, notice several things about the thorn. Let's look at it just in detail. Notice the anonymity of the thorn. So there's a lot of debate. If you read uh, commentaries on this passage, there's much debate at what the thorn was. And some people say that the thorn was Paul's eyesight. He had bad eyesight. Some people say it was that he had some kind of physical handicap. Maybe he was hunchback, people speculate. Some people say it was a, a speech impediment that he had. But this is the reality. The reality is we have no idea what the thorn was. The Bible never tells us what the thorn in the flesh was for Paul. And I believe there is a reason for that. I believe that the reason why the thorn remains anonymous is that if 
Paul had specified what his thorn in the flesh was, then you and I might not be able to relate with our own thorn or our own suffering. The, the anonymity brings with it a particular promise that suffering is universal. Suffering is infinitely varied. You suffer in a way that is unique to you. I suffer in a way unique to me. And none of us suffer in the same way as anyone else. That even our own unique struggles, while the diagnosis may be the same, no one else has struggled in that particular suffering in the way that you have. Do you know why? Because no one else is you. No one else has the same backstory, the same history, the same family dynamic, the, uh, the, the same positioning economically or socially in this life. All suffering is unique. All suffering is universal. Thorns come in all kinds of shapes and all kinds of sizes. And what is being promised to us in this passage is the same God who gave Paul grace and sufficiency and victory in Paul's suffering is the same God who can give you and me victory in our own suffering. Sometimes it's suffering with something physically in our life. Sometimes it's suffering in a emotional area, mental area. Sometimes it's suffering in a relational way. But all of us Suffer. Make no mistake about that. The anonymity of the thorn. Notice there's a, a second thought here, and that is the awfulness of the thorn. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible, we read things like this and we go, oh, well, isn't that just too bad for the Apostle Paul? And we can be, we can be tempted to downplay how awful this situation for the Apostle Paul was. But I want you to notice how Paul describes the thorn. Look at verse number 10. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses. So the, the thorn for Paul was at least these five things. The thorn for the Apostle Paul was infirmity. This was some kind of physical ailment. It was reproach. People looked at him, talked about him, ostracized him as a result. Necessities in that it was burdensome. He had to be careful. He had to be thoughtful. He couldn't just up and go. He had to take, make sure all of the necessities were taken care of before, before moving out in any kind of a way. Distresses, persecution. In fact, if you go back and read the 11th chapter of this, Paul will tell you that what he has suffered in this life is that he's been whipped, he's been shipwrecked, he's been robbed, he's been mugged, he's been betrayed, he's been jailed, he's been left for dead. His highway to holiness was paved with all kinds of hurt and headache and hardship. And it was intense physical suffering for Paul. And the pain of this suffering was bad. The pain of this suffering Paul kept for a secret. For 14 years he lived with it and told no one about it. And no one 
else in Paul's life had understood the depth of Paul's suffering until this moment in the writing of this letter to the church at Corinth. It helps us understand something about our thorns, that thorns in this life can be, and they are, incredibly painful. Painful beyond measure. Unbearable in many ways. The anonymity of the thorn, the awfulness of the thorn, but I want you to see a, a third thought. Notice the answer for the thorn. In, in this verse, God tells us specifically why he gave Paul this thorn. The phrase is found at the very beginning of the verse. Lest I should be exalted. So while we can speculate about what the thorn was, and while we can speculate about how painful it was that Paul had to bear it, you and I do not have to wonder why God gave it to Paul. He tells us. Sometimes the Lord brings things into our lives in order to keep us humble. Humility is God's goal for every one of us. And of all of the ugliness of pride, there is nothing uglier than spiritual pride. Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever thought of this? That when, when everything is, seems to be going great in life, we have, a, we have a difficult time staying close to God. There's a, there's a tendency and a temptation that when things are going great, we think, well, the reason why things are going great is because I'm so great. The reason why things are going good is because I'm so good. God gives us suffering in order to humble us, to keep us in a position of humility. My mom used to always say, well, Dave, don't get too big for your britches. One of the Greater temptations in the spiritual life is that we get spiritually too big for our britches. In Psalm 68, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Daily, the Lord fills us up with his benefits, with good things. So Psalm 68 says, God fills up our hands. Look here. God fills up our hands with good things. Do you know why God sometimes puts bur burdens on our backs? Because if all he ever did was fill up our hands with good things, we'd fall flat on our face. And so while God daily fills up our hands with good things, with benefits, he also occasionally puts a burden on our back to keep us humble so that we don't fall on our face. The anonymity of the thorn, the awfulness of the thorn, 
the answer for the thorn. But I'm going to give you a, a fourth thought here about verse 7. Notice the awareness from the thorn. So look how the verse ends. Paul says, this thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now what does that mean? What does that mean that Paul understood this thorn as being accompanied by a particular message? He says it's a message from Satan. Here's what it means. It just means this very simply. It means this. That when Paul came to suffering, he also heard a lie from the enemy. And the lie from the enemy, the messenger of Satan, was, Hey, Paul. Why do you have to suffer? Hey, Paul, why do you have to go through this and not, not Peter? Hey, Paul, why are you dealing with this and not James? Hey, Paul, why did God allow this into your life and not someone else's? God must not love you. Hey, Paul, imagine how much more effective you would be if you didn't have to deal with this. You see, when suffering comes into our life, we have a choice. We can either recognize that suffering as a burden placed on our backs by the hand of God in order to create in us humility and honesty about our own weaknesses and insufficiencies in this life, or we can see that suffering as a reason to be angry at God, bitter toward God. Find ourselves listening to the lies of the devil, becoming resentful, thinking God doesn't know what he's doing. We can either find ourselves full of faith in God, or we can find ourselves full of frustration and fear and contempt and anger toward the God who brought this to us. And Paul puts on, if you would, spiritual lens and he realizes, look here, he realizes that in this moment of suffering, it's actually not about what he's going through physically. It's actually not what he's been diagnosed with medically. It's actually not what you're wrestling with relationally or financially. No, no, no. What you and I go through by way of suffering is primarily spiritual. It's primarily spiritual. The suffering brings us to the place in our life where we will either pull ourselves by the word of God, the people of God, the hope that God gives us, the peace that God offers us, that he will work it for good in some way. We will either choose to cling to the promises of God or we will choose to listen to the lies of Satan. But make no mistake, your moment of suffering is primarily spiritual.
Paul says, I glory in suffering. I'm grateful in suffering. Why? Because in suffering, I know that God stands with me. God stands with me. That's not all he says. He says a second thought in verse 8 and verse 9. He says, I am grateful in suffering because second, in suffering, God speaks to us. So look at at verse 8. For this thing, the thing there, what he's talking about is he's talking about the thorn. He says, so for this thorn, I besought. The word, look here, the word besought literally means I begged. I pleaded. I prayed my heart out. Ever had that? For this thorn, I begged the Lord three times, thrice, that it might depart from me. Verse 9. Don't miss this. And he, the he there, is attached to the Lord. And the Lord said to me. So the, the, the part that I want you to underline is the part where it reads, he said unto me. Why can Paul be grateful in suffering? Well, because in suffering, God speaks to us. Paul had gone to God. He had asked God to remove it. He pleaded, begged God to take it away. How many have ever asked God to take something away? How many of you got the answer no? Well, join the club. Now, I want you to notice, Paul doesn't get the answer he wanted. But I want you to notice something else. Paul doesn't get the answer until he quit praying and started listening. Is that oftentimes when we're suffering, we are so busy telling God what God ought to be doing instead of listening to God for Him to show us what He's doing in us. C.S. Lewis wrote much about pain and suffering. And here's one thing he said. He said that suffering is God's megaphone to us. He said God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. But he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse the deaf world. Suffering is God's megaphone to wake us up. John Berridge, an 18th century Christian, you don't know him. You've never read a sermon of his. You've never seen a book written by him. But he observed perhaps a a great truth as it relates to suffering. He, He wrote, a Christian 
never falls asleep in the fire or in the water, but grows drowsy in the sunshine. You never fall asleep in the fire or the water. You fall asleep in the sunshine. You don't fall asleep when the flames are engulfing you. You don't fall asleep when the water's coming up over your head. But oh, how easy it is to fall asleep in the warmth of the sunshine. And wouldn't it be a dreadful thing if we fell asleep spiritually? Did you know that when you, when you fall asleep, you don't know that you've fallen asleep? You know why? Because you're asleep. You don't know, see, see how smart I am? You, you don't know you've fallen asleep until someone wakes you up. And then you go, oh my goodness, was I sleeping? And you go, yeah, you were drooling and snoring. Some of you do that in church. You don't know you've fallen asleep until you've been woken up. May the Lord wake us up if we're sleeping. May the Lord wake us up if we're sleeping. In suffering, we can, we can glory. We can be grateful. Why? Because in suffering, God stands with us. Because in suffering, God speaks to us. Third and last. Because in suffering, God strengthens us. I want you to see verse 9. The Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now I want you to stop here and I want you to put your name in all these places for personal pronouns. So the Lord said to, now put your name there. My grace is sufficient for, and I want you to put your name right there. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So that's the Lord's answer to Paul. The Lord's answer to Paul is, in your suffering, in your weakness, in your infirmity, in your pain, I will be strong enough for you. So Paul responds to that. Notice the spiritual discernment. Notice the spiritual maturity. Remember, suffering isn't about what you're going through medically or physically or financially or relationally. No, suffering is really what you're going through spiritually. So notice Paul's spiritual discernment. So most gladly, therefore. So because God gives me strength, because God speaks to me in suffering, because God stands with me in suffering, because of this, therefore, I will be grateful, glad, glory in suffering, in mine infirmities. Notice that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There is no other avenue where God shows his grace more strongly than in pain 
and sorrow and suffering. There is no such thing in the Christian life as painless power. Pain is the medium that God uses to pour his power into your life. Why? Because it humbles you, because it deepens you, because it sweetens you. It's God taking out his toolbox and pulling out the chisel. And like a master craftsman, removing all of those imperfections that keep us from walking in Christ-likeness. And what determines a victory or a defeat is how you and I respond to suffering. If the suffering leads us to resistance or resentment or bitterness, then it eventually will turn out to be depression or despair. But if suffering leads us to prayerfulness and patience and faith and trust and humility, it leads us then to maturity and victory. The thorn for Paul never embittered Paul. Never caused him to doubt God's goodness. Paul came to realize that God was able to make more use of Paul with the thorn than without the thorn. Paul was more useful thorned than he was thornless. And here's why. Because God isn't looking for our strengths. God's simply looking for a conduit where his strength can be made perfect in. Have you ever considered the thought that whatever area you're suffering in is actually an asset, not a detriment? It's actually a key to usefulness in the service of Christ. In fact, think of it. Every Christian recorded on the pages of Scripture went through some season of hardship, some suffering. Moses had to flee his family. They tried to kill him. Elijah had people seeking for his death. Even Jesus was crucified. The Savior had his friends abandon him. He was beaten. He was falsely accused. He was maligned. He was tortured. He was treated with prejudice. And then he was eventually crucified. Every individual in the pages of Scripture whose life breams with the power of God are men and women who've been given a thorn. And the thorn becomes the tool of usefulness. God is able to make more use out of your life and out of my life because of the thorn. Paul realizes this, and so Paul says, most gladly therefore will I glory. Why? I'll take pleasure, he says in verse 10, in infirmity, in reproaches, in necessity, in persecution, in distress. Notice, 
for Christ's sake. No, it's a qualifier. If you're suffering because of your own sin, that's a different reason. But if you're suffering for the sake of Christ, well then Paul says, verse 10, for when I am weak, what's it say? What's it say? Then I Want to see the power of God? Want to see the strength of God in your life? And this is often the way in which God's power comes to bear. Authentic ministry is not God using your strengths. Authentic ministry is God using your weaknesses. How many of you believe God is awesome enough? He doesn't need me to be awesome for him. God is wise enough. He doesn't need my wisdom. God is great enough. He doesn't mean my greatness. God is good enough. He doesn't mean my goodness. No, no, God looks for the weak, remember? That's what he told the church at Corinth. It's the foolish things. It's the weak things of the world. These are the things that God chooses. These are the ones God chooses to use. How can we be grateful in our suffering? Well, because in suffering, God stands with us. Because in suffering, God speaks to us. And because in suffering, God strengthens us. Let me give you just a couple practical ways to bring this home. First, write this down. When you suffer, bring your pain to God, don't run from God. When you suffer, bring your pain to God, don't run from God. When you run from God in seasons of suffering, then all you are left with is your own limited ability. The only way that you can cope through life is with your own strength, with your own wisdom, with your own, with your own power, your own might. So when you suffer, you bring your pain to God, not run from God. Do not run from God. In fact, the Bible instructs us not to simply suppress our pain. The Bible instead tells us where to direct our pain. What does 1 Peter say? Cast all your care on him. He tells you where to take it. Where do I take my pain? Where do I take my suffering? Where do I take my hurts? Where do I take all these challenges? I take them to God. God tells us where to take them. So when you suffer, first, bring your pain to God. Don't run from him. Second, when you suffer, just, I'm just talking very practically now. Second, when you suffer, fill your life with God's word and with God's people. When you suffer, fill your life with God's word and God's people. How many of you know that if you, if you treat a physical sickness with the wrong medicine, not only will your sickness continue, but you'll actually get worse. 
If you fill your mind while you're suffering with the wrong kind of thoughts, well, God must not love me, God must not be good, God must be mad, worse things are going to happen, you're going to continue to struggle. You're going to continue to suffer. But if you fill your life with God's word, if you surround yourself with God's people who will speak into your life, who will remind you who God is, who will remind you what God has done, then what happens is those people and the word of God replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of who God is. And when you experience that, you will be much healthier. When we fill our minds with God's word, we are reminding ourselves who God is. When we surround our lives with God's people, then we experience that lo the love that God desires to show us through his body. And often, often the case when people suffer, they pull back from God's word, they pull back from God's people, and they fill their minds with the lies of the enemy. And they lose in a spiritual war. Third, when you suffer, don't fill your life with worry. Instead, overflow with worship. Worship changes our perspective. Worship speaks about where our confidence is, where our hope really resides. Worship redirects our thinking. Worship places the results in God's hands. My mom is a worrier. I get a little bit of that from her. How many of you are worriers just by nature? You just, you know it, you like to worry about stuff. You probably have very little fingernails because you're just always biting them. If I tell my mom, hey, I'm not feeling well, here's something that's bothering me. She immediately gets onto the computer, searches up WebMD, starts talking about all the possibilities of what it might be. Mom, I think it's just a cold. Well, it might be a cold. And you might be over it in two days. Or you might die tomorrow. And WebMD says your chances are Our hope is not in percentages of survival or chances or WebMD. Our hope is in God. Who irrespective of how he answers our suffering has answered it the right way. Because he's God and we aren't. Now that is something very easy to say in theory. But that is something altogether different to believe on the worst day when you get the worst news of your whole life. And what I am telling you is 
when that day comes, you will not survive the attack of the enemy if you do not, before that day arrives, determine a few things. I'm going to take my suffering and my pain to God. I'm not going to run from him. I'm going to surround myself with God's people. I'm going to fill my mind with God's word. I'm going to spend my time not worrying all over WebMD about what my percentages or chances are, but I'm going to fill my time with worship because worship changes my perspective. Last thought, and then we'll go. When you suffer, be reminded that all of our pain and all of our suffering is temporary at best. It's all temporary. None of it lasts forever. You know what for the believer lasts forever? Perfect relationship in the presence of an almighty God who only works good in the hearts and lives of his children. So when we suffer, we must be reminded. Here's what Paul says earlier. Paul says, in this light, momentary, temporary affliction, I reckon that this momentary light affliction, when he says light, he doesn't mean it's not painful. No, it's incredibly painful. When he says light, he means it's temporary. I reckon that it is nothing compared to the eternity that is to come. You see? For the believer, when we suffer, we remind ourselves one day it all gets taken away and undone because of what God has done for us through Christ.